Hello and welcome to the podcast formerly known as The Muslims Are Coming. Now, some of you may be upset by the name change, but we had to do it as we were getting transatlantic threats from the makers of the so-called comedy show of the same name. Plus, the potential legal fees were giving Billy sleepless nights. So we bravely ran away and changed our name to Muslim Phone Home. Welcome to Muslim Phone Home, your topical news digest discussing hot current issues relating to Muslims and non-Muslims and sometimes the occasional immigrant. With me, Ash, and my service charge-fearing, charity canvasser-avoiding, Groupon-subscribing buddy, Billy Bazooka! Hi, Ash. Thanks for having me. Thank you for being here, sir. Thank you so much. Radical preacher Anjum Chowdhury has been charged with encouraging support for the Islamic State militant group. Chowdhury, 42, appeared in Westminster Magistrates Court charged with inviting support for a prescribed organisation, namely ISIS. It is alleged he committed the offence between 29th of June 2014 and 6th of March 2015. Another man, Mohammed Rahman, 31, faced the same charge. It is alleged Chowdhury and Rahman publicised support for ISIS and its leader Abu Bakr al-Baghdadi through lectures published online. Asked how he would like to plead to the charges, Chowdhury said, I plead that Cameron and the police are guilty, and the only people who are innocent are me and Mr. Rahman. Now, for listeners who aren't aware who this guy is, or have been living on the moon, quite frankly, he is an angry, bearded man that props up on the BBC, Channel 4, Sky, etc. Every time a bomb goes off in the Middle East, or a man is decapitated by psychotic death squads, or a cat crosses the road in Sharia-controlled Birmingham, he shows up, dishes out indiscriminate hate-fueled abuse towards anyone who disagrees with him, and then claims that his words are that of the Quran and the Prophet Muhammad. Now, Billy, I know that you've been following Anjam Chowdhury's career with some interest. <laughs> so my first question to you is, why the hell is this man still around? Oh, God. Anjam Chowdhury and ISIS. The only three words that promise more hatred are rail replacement service. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, actually, a week before that, I saw a headline which said a three-year-old was picked up by counter-terrorist forces. And I thought, yes, they've finally got Anjam. <laughs> but little did I know, Ash, little did I know, a week later, they actually took him in. I mean, he's been giving Muslims a bad name for years. And forget everything else, right? For someone who gets so much media attention, he has absolutely no class whatsoever. <laughs> He's like a Marxist utopia. Wee! Well, go on, what, what do you think about Anjum? No, I, I was just like, I, I would like to ask you, actually, yeah. uh, as you're such an avid uh, follower of his activities. <laughs> fan. Yeah. Like, the listeners don't know this, but Billy is actually obsessed with this man. <laughs> Uh, he spends hours and hours of uh, so-called working time scouring through the internet trying to find what I, you know, obviously Billy's a normal person, but he thinks Adam Chowder is hilarious. But anyway, I'd like to ask you, Bills, yeah. why do you think there's so much media exposure for someone who is quite obviously, quite obviously mental and can't even garner support from neither the proverbial one man nor his dog? Yeah, I mean, to be honest with you, I don't know. I mean, it's great watching, though. I mean, we watched a Vice documentary together <laughs> yes, <we did. laughs> about Adam Chowdhury. <laughs> 
<laughs> where, for those of you that haven't watched it, they put Anjum Chowdhury in a van with a few of his cronies <laughs> and they drove around central London. And so Anjum Chowdhury just began to point out buildings explaining how they would function under Sharia law. So he pointed to the Houses of Parliament and he said, you know, these guys, if Sharia law was implemented, they'd be tried and they'd be beheaded. And then he pointed to Buckingham Palace and he said, well, you know, these guys, they oversaw the Iraq war, they'd probably be beheaded. And then he went to Trafalgar Square and I thought, mate, there is absolutely nothing that he could say. You can't behead the statue of Lord Nelson. And you know what he said? Do you remember? He goes, well, you know what? This would be a great place to have public executions. <laughs> I mean, he is brilliant. He is absolutely brilliant. Oh, he's a genius, though. Obviously, you know, we joke about it. Yeah. Um, uh, but there are many communities all over the British Isles um, who've probably never come into contact with Muslims yeah. other than what they read and hear in the news. And I really do dread to think what they must think of this lunatic prancing around, spitting venom, and by extension, of course, the rest of the community. Because he does, you know, there is an implication that he represents Muslims and all that yeah. sort of stuff. And the worst is that you either get crackpot fanatics like him all over the press, or equally extreme so-called liberals who spend their whole time screaming British Muslims going to bomb you in your sleep on every establishment platform. So there's a part of me, I think, yeah, and I hope this is true, that thinks that maybe Anjam is like an Ali G character who will eventually reveal his true colours as a complete comic genius. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I would agree with you, Ash, but then I think we'd both be wrong. <laughs> That's a risk I'm willing to let you take. <laughs> So what have you been up to over the summer then, Billy? Uh, surprisingly, Ash, not much. I mean, the highlight of my summer was probably taking Fat Rashid to one of these uh, Muslim marriage speed dating events. Did you get involved with the festivities? No, I don't think I could do that. You did, no. didn't you? No, I couldn't. You're bullshitting no. me. No, I mean, at, at university, Ash, I was quite prolific. I mean, I received not one, not two, but zero marriage proposals. <laughs> I mean, women avoided me like I was a complex carbohydrate, Ash. So I don't think my ego could handle that sort of volume of consecutive rejection. I mean, actually, at one of these events, Ash, a woman actually said to me one of the most insulting things I've ever heard. She said, you're not good looking enough to be that stupid. <laughs> Which is, mate, I've never been so disrespected in my life. Well, I'm sure there's a tribe out there somewhere, Billy where an unmarried 30-year-old is considered auspicious. God, Ash, I can see it now. My 50th birthday card is going to say, congratulations on not becoming a crazy pigeon, man. That stinks <laughs> of piss. <laughs> a number of opinion polls suggest that veteran left-winger Jeremy Corbyn is the front-runner in the Labour leadership contest. The news comes as a surprise since the only non-new Labour candidate in the race was given the nomination by a number of Labour MPs at the last minute on the basis that his presence would help stimulate debate. Little did they know at the time that the subsequent mushrooming of a huge grassroots movement within the party and the swell of support up and down the country, particularly among young people, would propel this unassuming MP for Islington North within touching distance of leading the Labour Party and swinging it back to the left. So, I mean, I know we've heard a lot about Jeremy Corbyn in terms of his you know, wider policies, but what does this really mean for Muslims and minorities? Why does he garner so much support from them? Well, I think that it's, um, although I respect the question, 
religion, but I don't think it's necessarily about Muslims, but obviously Muslims are affected by it because Muslims are no different from anyone else. Insofar as Muslims would want a decent NHS, Muslims would want good schools that their children can go to, Muslims would have no issue with renationalizing the railways. I don't think Muslims would have an issue with people paying their fair share of tax. I don't think Muslims would have an issue with the renewal or the non-renewal of Trident. Islam means peace. Why on earth would we fill the world full of nuclear weapons? And uh, finally, a non-violent foreign policy. But let's talk about some of his uh, rivals now. Right. We've got uh, Liz Kendall. Now... Oh my God, don't get me stuck. Please, please now, don't, 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 Ash, don't, 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 don't Kendall, do this. That is a person who dignity abandoned a very long, <laughs> long time ago. Because she, for me, anyway, she is clearly suffering from delusions of competency. I mm. mean, did you see her campaign video? No, I didn't. No, I didn't see that. Don't. It's like watching a film with Kira Knightley in it. It's right. all sparkles and self-loathing. She basically fluctuates between typing something on her computer mm. and looking out of the window with this weird smile. But if you look closely, you'll notice that the blinds are actually shut. And that... <laughs> That pretty much encapsulates her campaign. She's staring into the void, but with a very profound sense of discovery. But she's got the backing of one of your favourites, Ash, Mr. Uh, Chuka Umuna. Oh my God, he yeah. is the worst. Mate, he's Mr. Charisma. I mean, he's got about <laughs> as much edge as a beanbag. Him... <laughs> <laughs> he's terrible him and Sajid Javid but I mean it seems to me that you know to carry on from what you're saying that yeah. Labour stopped evolving with the advent of Tony Blair I mean to, everything after that just seems to be right wing nonsense yeah. so to use a football analogy it's like someone who's meant to play left wing but then throughout the game he just gradually shifts to the right <laughs> as, the, as the game goes on leaving yeah. the left wing exposed yeah. to the sort of marauding jungle runs of Boris Johnson <laughs> look at look at Chuka Omuna. I mean he could not be more right wing if he changed his name to Iron Robin and got Tony Blair to manage him from the sidelines. <laughs> I would agree with that analogy. Yeah. The only point where I wouldn't agree with that analogy is that in football, being right wing or left wing only represents yourself and how you can contribute to your team. But obviously in politics, being right wing or left wing represents who you represent in parliament. And the left wing traditionally represent working people, represent the most vulnerable in society, and the right traditionally, historically, has all been about self-emancipation, has all been about self-promotion, has all about winner-takes-all, has all been about your own personal glory. Now, some people politically are on that camp, and that's fine, that's cool, you know, I respect that. But what I don't respect is people who are on the left, who are supposedly have signed up for all the things that the left represent and are putting a smokescreen in front of all of us uh, and actually batting for the other side. That, I think, I can't handle and I think it's totally unacceptable. And that's what's been happening to the Labour Party for the last 10, 15 years. Now, Billy, have you signed up to vote? Absolutely, yeah. In the Labour leadership elections? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. No, you haven't. I have. Do you know how I know you haven't signed up? How? Because it costs three pounds. Come on, Ash, my brother. I know you've got this thing about me being cheap, but <laughs> I'm not buying it. <laughs> right, for people who don't know, Billy is the kind of guy, and this is a true story, he carries around in his backpack tea bags. Now, he carries his tea bags around because when, for example, his friends call him up and say, Billy, let's go for a cup of coffee, he turns up for that coffee with the tea bags in his backpack while the rest of us <laughs> are buying coffee. 
Let me cut you. Is it a crime? Is While the rest crime? of us are buying coffee, answer the question. he goes up to the <laughs> poor attendant at the back of the counter and says, I oh don't God. want coffee. Is it okay for me to get some hot water? And obviously no one in their right mind with any sort of level of humanity will charge for hot water. So he gets a free cup of tea. Actually, it's not even free because he uses the sugar supplied by the coffee company and the milk for, for his cup of tea. So... Somebody like him, there is no way on earth that he would pay £3 to sign up for the Labour Leadership Contest. Ash, is it a crime to carry tea bags around? Technically, no. No, no it's not. So why can't you be constructive? Huh? If I had a quid for every time you called me cheap, I wouldn't have to carry around tea bags and ask for hot water, would I? And I know that thought haunts you every day. Oh, Billy, you're 28. Why aren't you married yet? That's why, Ash. No woman, no self-respecting woman would want to go home with a guy who's got a special pouch in their backpack <laughs> for carrying tea bags around. <laughs> A man volunteering to guard a self-proclaimed Muslim-free gun shop in a rural Oklahoma town accidentally shot himself (laughs) in the arm after dropping his gun, local authorities said. The Save Yourself Survival and Tactical Gear shop in Oklahoma, I'm sorry, it's difficult not to laugh at this story, about 193 kilometers east of Oklahoma City, has a window sign that reads... This privately owned business is a Muslim-free establishment. The man involved in the incident ha- has not been identified, and his injuries are not life-threatening. Actually, you know what the funny thing is? I mean, A, that's, this story speaks for itself, so I don't really <laughs> want to talk about it too much. But, you know, I found out what the manager of that story, what his name is. Go on. Guess what it is. <laughs> What's his name? His name is Chad Neal. <laughs> <laughs> that, just hearing that name just makes me want to pop a few flares and just jump out of a parachute screaming USA 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 Sure so solid everything boss boss It's Chacks time Hi and welcome to Entertainment News with me Chax Daniel. First up, East Enders, a much-loved soap opera set in East London where Muslims and non-Muslims live together in peace and harmony. If by harmony you mean mayhem and chaos. What has happened recently with the Muslim peeps? Well, Kurush Kazmi, aka Kush, is about to get married to Shabnam Masood of the Masood family. Spoiler alert. Shabnam's father may or may not have a little thing going on with Kush's mom. Ah, the Muslim community. Let's remind ourselves of how Kush and Shabnam met. Here, Kush does what all Muslim men do when courting. He runs after Shabnam, lifts her up against a will, and ignores her rejections until she says what he wants her to say. Oh, what are you doing? I won't be able to catch you if I let you run. Uh, just put me down. No, what is it you want to say to me? You know, you're only making this worse for yourself. Whatever you want to say to me, just say it. Okay? It doesn't matter now. Look. look at me. Look at me. Look at me. Put me down. No. Put me down. No, no. What? no. What? What? I'm not going to do that. I'll scream. Just I'll scream. I'll scream. Say it. 
got nothing to say. You like me. <laughs> Works every time. Jackson Jackson News. Now let's move to Coronation Street, where the show's producers caved into demands of a Muslim family and gave us the Nazirs. Not only have they given us a Muslim family, but they've given us a Muslim funeral and soon a Muslim wedding. Alia Nazir is about to marry the ginger Afghanistan veteran. I forgot his name. And it's going to be crazy. Pakistani wedding rituals mixed with English ones. What can go wrong? I'll tell you what can go wrong. Everything can go wrong. Chacks! Finally, Muslims and Muslim lovers everywhere were excited when it was announced that Riz Ahmed will be in the new Star Wars movie. Many are asking whether Riz Ahmed's character might be the first Muslim character in the Star Wars universe. <laughs> Clearly these people are dumb with no respect for the artistic integrity of the people involved. Of course he's not the first. Han Solo, for example, a man in a makeshift vehicle traveling around doing odd jobs for cash with his bearded friend. Come on. Of course this man is Muslim. And Jar Jar Binks. That's right, Muslim. Albeit an Anjum Chowdhury type of Muslim, nobody likes him, no one understands what he's saying, yet he has significant amount of screen time. Social comment, George. And Jedis in general. It is well known that George Lucas contacted members of a Sufi order in California before making the film, and the North African dress. Their obsession with the force. I rest my case. That's all, folks, from Entertainment News with Chags. Stay strong, England. That was Jack's news. Now, the subject of colonialism, ever bubbling under the surface, has risen in the media again over the past few weeks, with debates ranging from Europe's colonial legacy impacting the Mediterranean migrant crisis to heated debate raging as to whether Britain should provide reparations to India. One group of student activists based at the School of Oriental and African Studies have made it their mission to bring the issue of colonialism to the forefront. Now, we're used to having boring academics on the show, so this week we thought we'd mix it up a bit and invite people on with a bit more life expectancy. So we are thus delighted to welcome Abdul Hadi Abbas, Bushra Saeed Farjani, Muhammad Zain Dada, and Hossam Hamid from SOAS Decolonizing Our Mind Society to the show to discuss their thoughts. Welcome, guys. Right, now I hear this term thrown around quite a lot. It's the reason why the British Empire was so powerful. It's the reason why Africa is still in debt. And according to him, it's the reason why my uncle Shabs was fired from Woolworths in 1989. So, can you please explain to me what colonialism is and why is it still important? So, it's the exploitation, the invasion of certain countries and places, both physically and psychologically, breaking those indigenous systems down and replacing it with imperialism. Do you then make a distinction between European imperialism and imperialism that's existed historically in other parts of the world? The key distinction um, would be, firstly, the Industrial Revolution, and then secondly, the fact that this imperialism that exists also came with things like the eradication of the gold standard, economic practices, state structure. So this kind of imperialism is evident in the world we have today. Yeah, I, um, I agree with Zen. I think in a, in a word, I think the best way to describe it is European imperialism was coupled with capitalism, whereas other forms <laughs> of empire weren't as ingrained with capitalism as, as they were. So they came with the idea that they had to conquer, but more than conquer the people, it was their resources, their land, it was um, their labor uh, and the capital. 
and that created then what we have right now as a dominant Western civilization and an inferior global South, I guess you could use the term. So a lot of our listeners are, are white men, and the implication is that it's a default position that a white man is going to be racist or necessarily feel superior to somebody who's not. So what would you say, say to them? As you mentioned, in terms of your listeners, when I look at the state of businesses in this country especially, I looked at one stat which actually said that there's, within uh, UK and North America, there's, there's more directors in these companies that have the name John than there are black directors. All right, Now, for me, you can look at that in two ways. You can either say, is it because these ethnic minorities aren't hardworking or is it because of white privilege? Would you say that this offers objective proof for the reason why I haven't been offered a job yet? I think, as with a lot of things, there's numerous factors that contribute to, to the way things are currently. And <laughs> <laughs> And it could be down to, to your something which is totally uncolonial related. And I think that, that exists in, in a lot of situations down to, you know, a self-defeating mentality. I'm happy to say that, you know, within ethnic minorities there, there is this self-defeating mentality in which, oh, I'm, I'm from a colonized society that's, you know, discriminated against. And, and that is a very bad perspective to have because it will mean that you ain't you aren't going to get yourself into those kind of positions but at the same time you've got to understand that you know there there might actually be a reason why your uncle got fired from all <laughs> stealing pick and mix i think was the story but also also I, that dna evidence is inconclusive <laughs> you can't prove anything man <laughs> But can I come back to um, uh, the issue of uh, uh, colonialism and, and whether or not it's relevant? Do you think then, can I ask all of you, if you think that being part of a, uh, a minority community, and we're talking specifically about skin colour here, to be, to be uh, uh, blunt, do you think that compromises your sense of belonging to, to British society? Do you think it compromises your, to your citizenship? Do you think it has any effect insofar as you being normal citizens in Britain? Definitely, I would go back to the idea of a term like Paki, which is used kind of to describe South Asian immigrants when they were first coming here and I just look at the fact that British society hasn't really come to terms with that term so to speak they haven't really looked at the cultural history the cultural effect the term hasn't really gone away you know I've had it being shouted at me through a car went like a person driving past and shouted it Drive-by. Um, drive, <laughs> drive North by. North London drive-by. It was North London, yes, this is very North London drive-by. Packy, I didn't know what to think. It was a Volvo, you know... <laughs> How different then is your struggle um, wh when compared to the feminist struggle, for example, LGBT struggle, for example? I think I'd use the term intersectional. Yeah, it is, because even within feminism, <laughs> it's a problem because it's mainly dominated by white feminism. So, yeah, of course, I'm going to bring that up. So, yeah, it's definitely something intersectional. You need to see the intersections of gender and race and religion. I just wanted to ask because you, you mentioned that you work in the advertising world. Is there an idea that there's a sort of colour range and one of them, you know, if you pick a particular colour for a particular yeah. model, it's actually more effective in terms of sales? Have you, have you experienced that? Yeah, of course. That? I mean, uh, within the study of advertising, this stuff is always pushed under the rug and, you know, it's never addressed directly. And uh, there was a really interesting video online um, they, they gave, they bought in a set of babies and they, uh, they gave them a, a black toy and a white toy. They tried to <laughs> they, really? they asked them characteristics about these this white toy and black toy. Yeah. And these kids were no older than four or five years old and the black toy was the bad toy and the white toy was the good toy and these these are things that at that age for minimal amount of watch, watching TV and through the influences of their parents you can automatically see that from a rebased level there are these, these colour ranges mm. well, even the black what's interesting about that study is that even the black kids yeah. were not choosing the black exactly toy. even the black kids yeah. were the same 
Well, fair play to be honest with you. I mean, if I had a choice between, if there was a bar of soap <laughs> and it had either Aragon or Ajay Devgan, <laughs> I would I'd go for Aragon every every time. <laughs> Thank you guys um, so much for a really stimulating uh, and very relevant um, uh, conversation. Finally, though, I'd like to ask what practical, tangible, even, if you like, simple advice you would give to everyone who's listening, what can be done, essentially, um, in order for us to move forward from colonialism? Yeah, I think it's quite um, a difficult question to answer. But on on a structural level, I think democracy itself doesn't allow for the space for the marginalised voices as we have it right now, and it needs a lot of development. And that requires activism, it requires people on the grassroots to keep organising and having their voice represented. Because a benchmark for any good, notable democracy is how it accommodates its marginalised people, those who are the minority. So a re-establishment of those principles so that we're not values aren't imposed on us but rather they're contested there's dialogue and debate and we're allowed to have a space where we can recreate our identity and ideas thank you so much for that fascinating conversation <laughs> you can contact the decolonizing our mind society on twitter they're on twitter and their handle is at dom society so that's at d-o-m society thanks again guys for taking part today <laughs> Thank you for listening to Muslim Phone Home. If you like the podcast, please share with your friends. Also, please don't forget to follow us on Twitter at Muslim Phone Home. Or you can find us on www.soundcloud.com forward slash Muslim Phone Home. Thank you very much. From me, it's a very warm goodbye. And from me, it's also a very warm goodbye. Bye. Sauce, solid everything, boss, 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 boss. Okay, so this week's question comes from Sean Dimbleby in Hounslow, and he asks Hi guys, I'm not Muslim, but I tried to join Minda, but my application was rejected because I'm not Muslim. How can I be a second class citizen in my own country? I mean, can I just ask, what is Minda? It's a Muslim, Muslim Tinder. Everyone's aware what Tinder is, right? I'm sure. You cheeky, Not at you all. Cheeky. Tinder is a, a, it's an app and you load a profile and it's, you swipe across random profiles that keep coming up to you that are matched to your personality. So all Shabs. I need is a profile picture. Man, it's pretty simple. Just go on it, put your profile. Oh. Oh. I don't think that would work with me. And so <laughs> I think <laughs> in, my, in my head I look like Zayn Malik, but in reality I think I look more like a brown Ed Miliband. <laughs> so maybe it'll be a loads, of, loads of swipe lefts. But we, let's help. Let's help out um, um, Sean Dimbleby. Then, do you agree with M- uh, Minda's um, reverse colonialism? Yeah, definitely. I think yeah, we don't really need anyone who isn't circumcised on the site. So. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>